Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, founder of the Coach's Edge. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm joined by a friend of mine, Braden Proctor, who's the assistant basketball coach at Sunrise Christian. As we recorded this, they're the second ranked team in the nation for high school hoops. Pretty amazing. But on this episode, we talk a little more so about his background as a scout and the role that that can play for many high school athletes who have that dream of playing basketball at the next level. I'm really passionate about this. This is one of the reasons that I started the Coach's Edge podcast. There are a ton of phenomenal basketball podcasts out there. A lot of them focus on strategy, X's and O's, and I love that stuff. But when it comes to topics like this, that's what I want to do with the Coach's Edge. I wanted to dig in to different areas of being a coach of running a basketball program. And part of that is if you have a player who you think has the ability to play basketball at the next level, but they're not a surefire division one player, well, how can we go about helping give those players the opportunity and the exposure so that they can pursue those dreams, make those dreams a reality? And Braden in this episode has some really great wisdom, experience, and insight on what high school coaches, parents, and even players can do to help give themselves the best chance to continue to pursue their dream of playing basketball at the next level. I'm really passionate about this. You know, being a a small college basketball player, having not played AAU, um, there's a lot of things that he talks about in this episode that I wish I would have known as a much younger player I hope you guys benefit from this and a special thank you for Braden for taking the time amidst a really busy, uh, unique season uh, with Sunrise Christian. Thanks and let's get to the show. I'd like to give a warm Coach's Edge welcome to assistant coach at Sunrise Christian and Braden Proctor to the Coach's Edge podcast. Coach, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Yeah, appreciate appreciate having me on, man. Uh, just uh, really excited to just uh, get to be a part of this. I'm glad to have you, and you have been very, very busy with Sunrise Christian. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you introduce yourself for all of the coaches listening. Um, I mean, you're you're working with one of the top high school basketball teams in in the country. So introduce yourself to all the coaches listening. Yeah. So uh, obviously, I'm Braden Proctor. Um, I'm currently an assistant coach at Sunrise Christian Academy out in Wichita, Kansas. Um, I was I was a scout in Michigan for uh, three and a half, almost four years. That's kind of how I got to know you. Um, worked with prep hoops, ran prep hoops for a little bit, and then uh, helped out with bank hoops, Steve Bell, for a while. Uh, ended up here last year as an assistant, and then uh, uh, with COVID, ended up returning. So. Um, yeah, I've been busy. We're uh, one of the few teams that is lucky enough to have a full season already. We're um, uh, 12. We played, maybe we played seven. I think we played 13 games and we got seven, six more coming up here starting this Thursday. Um, we play in Orlando for a bubble, uh, the new NIBC um, conference. It's like a league for top schools like Lalamere, Oak Hill. Montverde Academy, uh, uh, Sunrise Christian, Hamilton Heights, and a couple others that aren't necessarily part of the league, but they'll bring them in for a bubble, part Mm -hmm. of the bubble. So staying busy with that, we'll have, uh, like I said, six games in 10 days, and then we're off a week, and then we head to Nebraska and play Oak Hill again. So full full steam ahead for us. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are those are some familiar familiar names that you're you're bringing up. Um, before we get into some of the scouting, which is going to be the the main topic of this podcast, your second year at Sunrise Christian. For the coaches that don't know, could you give us a little background on that school and uh, the successful basketball program that it is? Yeah, so um, Sunrise Christian, it's been around since the early 80s. A guy named Robert Linstead founded the school. He's still here as the superintendent. Um, it's never been a basketball school or basketball school. It never even had a basketball program really until about 10, 15 years ago. His son, uh, Kyle Linstead, who's now an assistant coach at Minnesota, kind of got it up and running. Um, and he did a really good thing with it for a while, got it growing. And then the current head coach, Luke Barnwell, um, was an assistant for him for a little bit and he ended up taking over and he's kind of taken it to even uh, another level. Um, but basically um, Sunrise has had a, uh, it's like a big time division one uh, factory, I guess. Um, we got some famous alums like Buddy Heald, uh, Tom Tom Nair and Malik Hall um, for the Michigan people listening. Um, we just added Jaden Akins to the team. So another Michigan State guy. Um, and there's been at least, I think, at least 70 other Division One kids that have come through the program, either the high school or post-grad team. So um, it's one of the best basketball schools in the country currently. And with Luke at the helm, it's going to get even better. So just exciting, exciting to be a part stuff. of it, honestly. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. And I was excited to see that you guys added Jaden. We had him um, at one of our endless motor elite 80 camps. Um, I think last year, uh, with, with Matt Dorosh and, um, yep. so that was really cool to be able to work with him and see, keep up with what he's been doing at sunrise Christian. doesn't look like he's, he's skipped a beat. <laughs> no, he's honestly been a, a godsend for us. He stepped up big time against IMG. He, he's new to the program. So he, um, we, we told, we kind of said like, he wasn't going to start right away. You can't walk in and just play like that, but he played 24 minutes against IMG. Basically he, didn't start, but as soon as he came in, he stayed in and was crucial for us in that game. We ended up coming back from down like 14 early and ended up winning by seven. So he was a big part of that. Yeah, that's so. a big, that's a, that's a big time school to, to be beaten. I yeah. am. That's pretty, yep. that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I really want to dig into the, the scouting. There's so many conversations that I have with, with players, with parents and with high school coaches, those three specifically, but we could also throw AAU coaches into that mix as well on your, your background with really helping. Mm -hmm. And even now as a, as a high school coach, you help a lot of high school athletes get the opportunity to play basketball at the next level through the advice that you give them, through the exposure, through just the scouting services that you've provided in, in the past. So in a nutshell, what role does scouting play in assisting high school players go on to play at, at the college level, regardless of division one to division three? Well, I mean, uh, it just depends. Like um, scout, scouting, um, I guess it depends on what the parents and the players want themselves. So um, some kids want more of my help. They'll ask me to do a more hands-on thing. So like, they'll be like, hey, can you help me? Um, try to find a level. And if you're a scout, you got to be honest with them and be like, you got to tell them what their level is. You don't got to be rude about it, but like, you got to be like, Hey, you know, maybe the GLIAC would be good for you. I know you want to go to the Mac, but 
Um, I think it'd be smart to start sending film to GLIAC coaches or maybe even NAI coaches like the WAC. Um, and then you just got to talk to the parents and get on the same page with them because if they want something different than what you think, like there can be a disconnect and there can be issues um, with coaches too. It can make it awkward with coaches who reach out. So um, you just got to be on the same page with the parents and players and each parent and player is different. Some of them will want you to do more. Um, like some kids, I um, did most of like the work for them because they didn't know how, or they could be easily manipulated. So like, I kind of tried to help them with that stuff. So like, if they would um, ask me to do more of it, I'd like talk to the coaches directly. Like, hey, I got some film of this kid. I think he'd be a good fit for you guys. Um, and just kind of like get that ball rolling. And if they're interested, I'll get them connected with the players and parents or their AAU coaches or high school coaches. Um, I always tried to never overstep my bounds, boundaries, I guess. Um, Cause I know some AAU and high school coaches like to have a part of that stuff um, or even other people like handlers. Um, so you got to, kind of figure out each situation uh, as it comes and goes. And some want you to be more hands-on. Some of them just want you to get the ball rolling. Um, just, it just, it just comes down to, to case by case, I guess. But um, for some, you can be a very crucial part. And for some others, you can be just a footnote. It just depends on the kid. Right. And I can but. see with, with the high level division one player, listen, they're going to get noticed yeah. one way, shape or form. It's only a matter of time. If, you know, right. even if they're a younger high school player and they haven't been seen yet, they're at that level, they're going to get noticed. But I can see the role that you play being crucial for a lot of small college players or for players that, you know, may not play on an AU team or play right. on an AU team that happens to get uh, enough exposure based on, you know, what college events they attend. Uh, maybe they, they play for a program and they're putting up decent stats, but it's not a winning program. It's not a name mm -hmm. that's, that's well known by uh, college coaches. Uh, that, that's key. So with what I'm hearing is communication is key and yeah. being upfront and honest is yeah. essential. Um, mm -hmm. What about the relationship that as a scout, you would have with the college coaches themselves? How do you, how do you build that? And how do you go about communicating from yourself as a scout to a college coach regarding a So, player. yeah, I mean, each college coach is different. Some of them are more friendly and uh, forthcoming and wanting um, assistance from scouts. Some aren't. Sometimes it just depends on the level. Um, and you also have to kind of like know what you're talking about. Like I know there was a coach um, who was high major. I remember it was at the brawl for the ball. He was there watching a kid who's playing in the Big Ten right now. And he asked me for my opinion on him. And he kind of was like, I could tell he was kind of like testing me. But, and then he was starting to ask me questions about other kids that weren't even in his, like, like they weren't good enough to play for him. But like, he was testing me to think what level I was. Um, I think those kids would be at. Um, and I would be like, I would say like, yeah, I think he's like a low major, low major plus kid. Like a, and he was like, once he like knew, what I, I knew what I was talking about. Like the difference between like just a, like a mid-major D1 and a low D1. He was like, all right, like, you know what you're talking about. So, like, I'll start asking you more questions. He was more forthcoming. He gave me his contact info. Uh, we stayed in touch. And um, he's actually going to be coaching one of the players at Sunrise Christian. He moved to a different um, program. But he's going to be coaching one of the kids that I'm coaching right now next year. So, kind of That's pretty cool. funny how, uh, yeah, it's a little uh, circle. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, some coaches are will, will 
be just, we'll just trust you right away. Um, you don't really got to prove anything. And others will be like, you actually have to like talk to them. They'll like test you and make sure you know what you're talking about. So um, honestly, like smaller levels, it's a little bit easier to talk to coaches um, because they need more assistance. But I still like will go above and beyond when I was a scout to try to like show them I knew what I was talking about. Like I would ask each coach, like, what were you looking for specifically in a role? Like if you're looking for like a two, like, I mean, I would get super in depth and be like, are you looking for like an ideal, like, like what's the shortest size you can go for a two man that you guys typically prefer? Like, do you prefer like defensive guys, shooters? Like it, it, it just depends on the coach. But, um, a lot of, a lot of the coaches in Michigan and the surrounding States have been very, very friendly. Um, even at the higher division one levels, um, um, some of them aren't, but that's fine. Cause like a lot of those guys at the higher levels already have their guys that have been established. Like to get to that level, you have to be in the, in the game for a long time. So you got your people that you've already trusted. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like it got you to where you are. So I understand that too. Um, but yeah, it just comes down to each, each coach is different. Some of them want your help more than others. Um, some of them want you to prove it, what you know, you know, you know what you're talking about. And some will just trust you right away, or they'll just go off word of mouth of other coaches and that'll be good enough too. And obviously, if you're doing a, a good job, they're more likely to come back right. to you for, for yeah. more of that next year. Whereas if, if yeah. you know, you give them a name and then they spend a bunch of time or even recruiting that specific player and it's like this player wasn't even at that caliber. Right. You know, you, you've you've lost all trust and all credibility. And when it comes to scouting, is there anything more important than credibility? Uh, probably not. I mean, if, if you aren't credible, then your word doesn't mean much and that gets around. So it's, it's, you're kind of just out there just taking, wasting your time and other people's time, even if you aren't aware of it. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I took that very serious, even though, it, um, just because I know people's jobs are on the line. So like, I tried to do my diligence. Like I would do my research on kids, like as a character, like if I, I would get to know the kids themselves personally, sometimes and the parents. I would talk to their coaches or their teammates if I know them and just try to get like, um, try to get a better idea. Like, I don't want to waste a coach's time if I send him a kid who's good, but he's a, you know, a pain in the butt off the quarter. Mm -hmm. yeah. You got to worry about him 24 seven with grades. So like, I kind of, that's kind of like being an assistant coach now. Uh, but I kind of like just did that. I just wanted to make sure I didn't waste anybody's time. And I was trying to like make sure that they got a pay rate. Like that was my thing. Like I was trying to help every coach not get fired and try to keep making like money you know like just everybody's trying to make a living off it so that was mm -hmm. I took it very serious trying to like find the right fit and trying to help people as best I could yeah absolutely I mean it's those college coaches that is their livelihood that's what puts right. food on the table and yeah it's a great job being a college basketball coach but at the same time there's a high turnover rate if you're a college basketball yeah. coach and, and you want to be, if you want to be in that business for the, for the long run, you have to have the players that are going to put you in a position to be successful. And, you know, sure. you play a role, you play a role for with a, many coaches when it comes to that. So you started to lead into it already, but what are some of those overarching characteristics that a scout looks for in a player when they're, when they're at an event, when they're at a high school game, an AAU tournament, an exposure event, and they're trying to figure out if this player has the intangibles to play at the next level. I mean, it, every scout values things a little bit differently. Um, like Corey Evans, who was the, like one of the head guys at rivals. I know he talked about it in the past too. Um, he valued 
he's, he spoke about value and like toughness. Um, and then I know I've talked to one of my buddies who's a scout in Ohio and he's kind of talked about similar things. Like everybody values something a little different. Some value like physical gifts and measurables, um, some value intangibles, some value leadership. Um, and then there's like that it factor that you can't really quantify. It's easier to see in person. Um, for me, I tended to uh, gravitate toward guys who won, um, even if they like uh, intangibles, like leadership, like that type of stuff, character, good teammate. Um, and like, if, if good players want to play with you, like that's kind of a big thing for me too. Like if you're winning and good dudes want to play with you, um, you got leadership, like it's not even necessarily skills. Um, and it's just like an effort thing. Like if you, if you play hard, that'll put you in a position to be productive. Um, usually more productive than what you are, even if you're like highly talented or not talented at all. Um, so I kind of looked at that first and foremost, those types of things, and then kind of built off it off that. And I would be like, okay, he can shoot at a high level. He's, you know, five ten, So he's probably like a division three kid, but he's like, he's got all the intangibles. He sits down and defends, plays his butt off. He talks good teammate, keeps the energy levels up, which is a bigger deal than most people think. Um, so I kind of be like, okay, so that's like a high D three kid. Like he can help winning. So like he can go to like one of these high level D threes and be impactful or something like that. You know, it's just like, I'm just spitballing, but for me, it was like stuff like that. I kind of valued not necessarily skills as much. I valued just like the mental things, like the effort, the leadership, toughness, um, energy, like body language, like that's going into a culture, trying to build like a good culture for places. So that's a great point. And the one thing that stood out that may go unnoticed is you said you like winners. And I think that's, man, that, that, that's a golden statement because for, you know, if I'm a scout or if I'm a college coach, I would much rather take a kid who they've won so much that it becomes this expectation. Like if, if you're in a losing program or you're just, you know, hey, we play and maybe we win and maybe we lose, but it's not this standard compared to other high school programs, the good ones, where winning is a standard. It's an expectation. It's a, yep. it's a bar that the entire program and and in many ways the whole community the whole town holds everyone accountable to a standard of winning those are the type of players that I would want to play with me right that they may not be the most skilled they may not be the most talented but if winning is in that DNA that means the competitive nature is there as well and if you got a bunch of competitive winning minded boys and girls that's going to trickle into all of those intangibles out on, on the court, doing all those little things, diving for the loose ball, making the extra pass, all of those things that go into getting winning done. I always tell the players that that I work with, like, Hey, listen, even the worst team has a leading score, right? Even the terrible teams have a leading score. It's some, somebody's going to play the minutes and somebody's going to score some points, but can you do the things that lead to winning? Now you're starting to, to separate yourself from, from others. Uh, I think that was, I mean, you said some great stuff right there, but I think that one really, really stood out, stood out to me. Mm-hmm. If you're a, if you're a scout and you have a high school coach and they're not familiar, maybe they're, they're more of a rural, uh, smaller community, but they have a kid who's a college potential player. They don't have yeah. a lot of college coaching contacts 
mm-hmm. but they know they got a kid that can play. What's that? What's the advice that you would give them as they're trying to say, man, I know my kid can play. I know he can play at the college level, but I'm not sure how to connect them with the right people so that they can be seen to play at the next level. Well, I mean, where I'm from, that's kind of a common, it was kind of a common issue. So I've dealt with it. Um, that's why I'm, that's why I'm asking. Cause you, yeah. you know, my background a little bit, I know right. some of yours. And so I'm literally asking you questions that I've gone right. through and had conversations with, with high school coaches. So, I mean, the smart thing would do is we get in contact with someone like, like me or like one of those types of people, like get in contact with a scout who will do his due diligence. And that's one of the things, nice things about being a scout, like they get out and travel, even when it's, they see more levels like of players than most people. Like there's a guy named TJ Petrus, I know um, from Ohio. Uh, he's a buddy of Matt too. Um, he's been going, he's been grinding like crazy in Ohio, seeing high level games, like lower level, lower school games. And um, just getting in contact with like those types of guys is probably the best way to do it. Cause like their voice, usually he's a good scout. So like his voice, if he talks to a coach will carry weight. And like, there's a kid, I'll just use some of my examples. Like there's a kid named Colton Nelson from Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart, which is a little class D school in Michigan. I mean, oh, I yeah, we've had, I mean, we've had Colton at some right? of my camps. I know. Yep. Yeah. He'd shoot the crap out of it. Um, he's got some moxie to him too. Um, he didn't have much going for him. I remember. And I hit up, Aquinas's head coach Bertoya, and he's a good dude and I was like hey I know you're looking for a shooter this is a knockdown shooter like he could potentially help you down the line he, I mean and he ended up looking at him and he ended up, he ended up there so mm-hmm. it was just kind of like one of those things um just just getting in contact with scouts would definitely be one way to do it like credible ones it's kind of you you kind of have to do your research not every scout is credible there's some that just you know sit behind the keyboard and will twitter watch or just um talk to people instead of being there in person. I think that's a big difference. You need to know which ones are actually working, but um, yeah, just getting in contact with scouts. If you know other coaches, like if you're if, like, if I'm the coach of that small school, um, if you know coaches who are at higher levels, who've gotten kids and have some, their voice has weight as well. You could try to talk to them and maybe, maybe send film to those guys if they have time, see if they could help you out. Um, that's another way to do it. Um, but yeah, I would just say like the easiest way to do it would be to just get a hold of one of us, like well, not us, I'm not doing it anymore, but you know, the scouts, um, cause they, that's part of their, that's what they do. Like they just get in contact with coaches and like, they'll help schools find like hidden gems in small mm-hmm. schools. Um, there was one, one of my friends who ended up being one of my roommates, Colton Annis. He only had, he's like third or fourth all time in Michigan in threes, but he had like no college looks besides the local Alma college in mid Michigan and freshman year, he was good. Sophomore year, he led the country in three point shooting. And he had, by the end of it, like every NAI school basically recruiting him out of his sophomore, like getting full ride offers. And, you know, it was, I was telling people when he was at mid and I was sending stuff out and I know Caleb house was sending stuff out and it ended up working out, but like, um, he was another kid. I, I didn't, I wish I would have helped him more, but like, he was, he was another kid who I know um, would have, if he, if, if I would have helped him more, I, I think it would have went a long ways, but um, he was a phenomenal player and he ended up having a lot of looks by the end of his sophomore year in Juco. But yeah, that's, I would just say just getting a hold of scouts is probably the best way to do it and the simplest way to do it. So if, if you're an AAU coach, if you are a, AU coach, you're you're doing some of the smaller, more regional type 
right. AAU tournaments. Maybe not some of the bigger name tournaments where a ton of the college scouts are going to. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? And and I think ever there's there's many benefits maybe to that compared to going to some huge AU tournaments in Vegas or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and so if they have some some guys that are NAIA D two D three type JUCO type type kids, what's the advice that you would give them when they go to some of these tournaments to make sure that their kids are more likely to be seen like by a scout by yourself or by college coaches? Well, I mean, if, if you're a coach and you know, like it's a scout, like on the sidelines, go introduce yourself, make your probably make yourself known. Um, I wouldn't say like force a kid or the, put the scout in the spot, like on the spot, but like, just be like, Hey, I got a couple kids who I know can play college ball. Like you don't want to oversell them because if you do that, you lose your credibility as a coach, you know, like, Oh, he's D1 and he's not. He's like a D3, D2, NEI kid. There's nothing wrong with that. But like if a coach comes in there and tries to overblow it, you can lose a scout real quick and be like, I don't want to sure. deal with this guy because he's going to start pumping him up like he's D1. Um, but just doing that, that'd be smart. Just being friendly. Um, it's just kind of like a job. Just being like professional and friendly and um, very engaging and opening, uh, open and warm to scouts. Um, be very forthcoming with info give them whatever they need. Like you need to go above and beyond probably to make it easier for the scout. Like if they're going to maybe switch up their schedule or um, you know, their plans. Cause I'm usually when scouts get there, if they know what they're doing, they'll have a schedule already set up of games they want to watch. So they either, you need to really be convincing with them or maybe if they can't, if they can't watch you the first day, if it's a multiple day event, um, they can get there the next day or something like that. But I would definitely just say something like that. Um, that's probably one of the best ways to do it. And then, just winning at the events will help too. Like the longer you go in the event, the more chances you have of being seen against better teams and players. Um, but yeah, if you're a small like AAU program, like you said, it's definitely smart to go say regional. No point in traveling to Vegas right. if you're a, right. a, a Indiana team with loaded like a lot of D3 JUCO yeah. NAI kids. They're not those the D2 NAI D3 JUCOs don't have the budget to travel out there. Right. So right. unless you want unless you want all your kids to be try to go to Vegas or, you know, some schools out in Vegas, it's no point to make long distance traveling a thing. Um, I think it's not a bad idea maybe to travel out of state to like one of the nearby states to get like broaden your horizons. Um, But I don't think you need to travel across the country if you're a AAU coach. It's unnecessary money for them and the families to spend and time. And it's just going to, you're just sending them out there basically to play with no college prospects. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that. I'm glad to hear you say that because I had I had a conversation with a a parent a few years ago about one of their their uh, their child was was playing and potential college player. They're currently playing college basketball, but um, and they were but they were asking me about which AAU team that they should play on. They were trying out for like three different AAU teams, and they were essentially like three different tiers of AAU. And mm-hmm. the, the highest tier was going to, you know, Houston and Vegas and all these different places. And I knew having worked with that player that that player didn't really want to live in Texas, live in, right. you know, they wanted to be more in Michigan or, or locally in some of those surrounding states. I also knew that they weren't going to probably be a division one basketball player, right. Being, being right. realistic. So I, I told him the exact same thing that you mentioned was if you go down to, you know, Houston or wherever this is, none of those coaches regionally 
are going to be down there. They don't have the travel budget. And I have a mm -hmm. handful of uh, college coaching friends that are at the D3 level. They're not going there. They're not going to any yeah. of those tournaments. They're recruiting. They're trying to recruit their backyard and maybe a couple kids out of state. And that's, yep. that's it. That, that's what their, their reach is. So knowing that that player was that type of level, I was like, man, you're wasting a lot of time and, and money. You're leaving on a Thursday or a Friday, coming back on a Sunday or Monday. You could go on Friday, play the tournament Saturday, Sunday, be back in your own bed Sunday night and mm -hmm. get a lot more coaching looks at the same time. Bigger is not always, always better. Um, right. And, and, you know, that player ended up playing small college basketball locally, just like I, I had assumed they would, right. um, you know, but it, it's important for, for players and parents, I think, and coaches as well to be realistic about whatever, you know, the, the potential is for, for their player. And then there's many college players that have gone on to play and they'll tell you after it's over, that their mindset has totally shifted from where it was when they were a high school athlete, when they were in high school, they had this division one or bust mentality. Yeah. But after they went through college and maybe played NAIA or D2 or whatever it was, they're able to look back on it and say, Hey, that was pretty awesome. That was a pretty great experience. Yeah. And it, it wasn't all about me trying to go division one and those guys can play either way yeah. <laughs> or girls can play oh, either yeah. way. You know that. Uh-huh. I know that firsthand. It was NAI dudes. There's a lot of dudes playing overseas. I know they're from NAI or even D3 or JUCO. There's yeah. a lot of good basketball players at the small, like the smaller levels. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like um, I, I get to an extent, like some people like in their heads, it's not necessarily maybe about college levels, but maybe they want to, they think traveling means they'll play better players. I get wanting to play better players, but you also got to have the right balance because you're basically like, I know a lot of when we had the brawl for the ball when there's teams from randomly from not Indiana or Wisconsin coming in, like they have good players that maybe are at the smaller levels that fit some of those colleges, but they don't even look at them because they're like, there's a probably a 95% chance that kid doesn't want to travel that far away from home when you right, get the same right. look somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But like, I, so like, that's like a lot, like a logical, but like, I get like, if a kid wants to play the best players he can play it I can understand that but it's still like counter it doesn't help you in the sense that you're not going to get any college looks so like there's a balance there but like yeah it's it doesn't usually make a lot of sense to travel all the way to Vegas if you're if you're a non-d1 kid and you're gonna you want to stay local like it doesn't make a lot of sense to travel so like there's a balance of trying to find the best competition you can to push you but like being recruitable at the same time like if you already got where you want and you're committed whatever I guess if you want to just try to go play the best you can be, that's one thing if you want to go out of your own pocket. But I mean, it doesn't, to me, it makes more sense just to stay regional. If you're going to be like, you, you want to, if you're still trying to get recruited, um, you can play good competition generally regionally and still get better. And yeah. And usually if you're traveling that far out and you're not a division one kid, you're, and you're trying to play on those big time teams, you're probably not going to play as much as you want anyway. So you're driving, you're going out there for nothing. So if you, unless you're, playing a ton and maybe you're already committed I, there's like you said it makes more sense to stay regional and be yeah. recruited and just get your playing time with um against similar competition like you can get good competition just about anywhere that's a good point and, and like you said if you're if you're a a small college player playing with higher level players on your own team well you're not yeah. actually going to get to play that much and get some of the exposure that you might if you played on a different AAU team that had 
you know, very similar level talent to, to yourself. So then, then you're mm-hmm. getting more exposure um, as well. Another question that I had for you is if you're a, a parent, a coach, and you're wondering uh, how to go about getting exposure for your son or your daughter, and you have a say, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll sign you up for an AU team, or we'll pay for you to go to an exposure event. But like most people, you don't have an endless supply of money to pay right. to be a part of all these different events and teams and, and whatnot. So as far as like bang for your buck or certain things to recommend, there's AU, right? There's spring ball. There's a lot of July AU. Mm-hmm. There's also events, you know, one day or two day exposure events that happen mm-hmm. really throughout the course of the year from, you know, there's a lot of those before the season in the fall. Um, What's advice that you would give to a high school coach or a parent who's just deciding how to divvy up some of the money that they've, they decided they're going to try to use to get their son or daughter some exposure? Well, I mean, it's tough because it's sad, but there's a lot of camps that are just money grabs. So you got to yeah. be careful about which ones you go to. Um, there's no point in going to them if either, you know, there's like, camp instructors don't know what they're doing. They're just kind of putting kids out there, just going through drills through the motions that aren't really pushing kids or like they're, they're only valuing like the top one or two kids and everybody else is just kind of like cast aside. Like we're going to highlight, like they'll, they say they'll bring cameras, but like they'll highlight one kid and never show anybody else. Like you got to be careful about that. Um, just, just, you got to do your research. Like try, I mean, it's tough sometimes, but like trying to find out which camps, like do they have college coaches at them? Um, if not, is there cameras there where you can like make potentially get highlights, clips of your kids or just raw film? Like if you can do that too and send it to coaches, you just got to make sure that, um, either they put kids, like they've proven that college coaches will be there. So it gives you a chance to be seen or, um, they've, they've put kids, they've gotten kids offers from those, those events. Like you just got to be like wary of that and I know it's tough sometimes but like you just got to ask questions just people who maybe been at those events or just do the research I guess just figure out you know talk to college coaches if your kid's being recruited like hey would you recommend like or have you been to this event you don't know let's have to ask if it's a good event it's not necessarily their place to say that but it's like have you would you go cover those events just figuring stuff out like that would probably be a big um big thing it's probably not a good idea just to send your kid to 40 camps scattergun it and hope for the best and spend, you know, way too much money. I know a few kids in the past who've done that and it's unfortunate. Um, they just start sending them to every camp they could and they end up at the same level they would have if they would have went to one camp, right. you know, yeah. and they'll have people telling them, Oh, we'll get you the exposure. Like if you, you'll go, you'll get levels, like bigger colleges will be there and you'll, if you do well, you'll get noticed. And now they just wasted their money to go there and, do the same thing so it's just like it's tough like that you just got to try to ask tough questions to coaches maybe that are recruiting you or just figure out like what events have had good success like a good amount of college kids that maybe not, not that haven't been committed it's like they're uncommitted when they go and like you see a lot of kids end up committing to colleges or getting offered shortly after that like you just mm-hmm. kind of got to pay attention to that which is tough but I mean that's probably what I would say is one of the best things you got you can do for that it's great advice. I mean, you really, as a parent or as a local coach trying to help your son or daughter out, you really have to do a lot of the the front end 
homework yourself before you yep. send them to that event. Um, that's, right. that's true. And I'll talk with high school players and they say, yeah, we want to play at the college level. And I know they're a small college type player and I want to emphasize them. Okay. What are you doing to make sure that these coaches know your name and that they've yeah. seen you play? And it's, it's not enough to be practicing and working on your game. That's necessary. Don't get me wrong. You, you, if you don't have the game, you can't play at the next level, but it's not enough to just work hard in the gym and just right. hope for the best. You have to be doing some of this homework. Are you sending out some of your game film? Are you sending emails? Are you getting phone numbers? Are you contacting people so that you can build these relationships? And mm -hmm. if you really want to play college basketball, all you need is just one. You need one right. coach to give you that opportunity. But in order to get that one opportunity, you need to take it upon yourself to really try to develop as many positive relationships at the realistic levels as right. you can to make that happen. Right. There's no point if you're a kid like this too, like sending your kid, if he's a D3 kid to a U of M basketball, like players elite camp or Michigan state individual exactly. player camp, like, like those schools, like every, every university has these camps and like they're, I'm, it sounds terrible. The kids will be suckers. Like they'll hope for their parents or hope like if they send them there, they'll get noticed by them. But really they already have it predetermined. Like, oh, okay, we already see these kids are signed up. We're looking at these four kids and that's it. Like don't be sending them to high major events when they're not going to probably end up at that level. You know, it's just like, you just wasted 200 bucks off. You just want to go see the university. Like if you, if you're cool, just like doing that and just trying to get better, that's fine. But like, if you're really genuinely hoping like you'll get recruited by them, that's probably not the best um, financial decision or best uh decision for yourself yeah you know? absolutely if you're if, you, if you're uh, a division three level player you're better off going to a division three college you know exposure right. camp than going to a big 10 yeah. <laughs> one i mean yeah. that's but uh, it, it's it's really obvious when you say it but it's surprising how many players that's not the, the case you know they'll look at a division three and, and say well it's division three even though that's their level but they'll just be like, well, I'm going to go, you know, to, to the big 10 mm -hmm. closest one. Cause partly because I'm a fan and maybe you think you're, there's some shot that's going to happen. It's like, no, they, they already know who all of their recruits are. In fact, they're mm -hmm. probably already committed for multiple years already right. <laughs> before this camp even takes place. Um, so yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> like I would say like, yeah don't they already got a predetermined usually like they already they've usually talked to those kids because they're recruiting them and they'll be like hey like come to this event like it's another chance for us to get yeah. eyes on you like they ain't talking to the other 250 kids that are signed up for the event like it's no disrespect it's just how recruiting works like um but yeah it's it's not necessarily the smartest move to do that now i will say like at central michigan it does something similar but like they have like division three and division two coaches like running drills so like mm -hmm. if you go to a small like i don't necessarily know if that's the case at all of them but like you, you can get exposure to like other schools, but it's like, you're not really putting yourself in a good odds. Like you got one coach there and three, 200 other kids. It's not necessarily like, it's still kind of the same thing. It's not necessarily the best move to go to a high, like a high major camp. If you're a division three kid, it's probably smarter to go to, you know, an NAI camp or a division three camp or a Juco camp. I mean, yeah, like it's just smarter to get closer to that level than to just take, you know, go all the way to the top and hope for the best. It's not Absolutely. really doing yourself many favors. Yeah, I agree. And, and coming from somebody, I'm, I'm glad to have you in this conversation because I didn't play AAU basketball. 
I would have loved mm -hmm. to play AU basketball, um, even if it wouldn't have affected the college that I went to play for. I would have loved it because it would have been playing against higher level players. I'm yeah. sure I would have learned a lot. And for sure, I would have been recruited by more schools. You can't get <laughs> recruited any less than I did already because right. I didn't play, didn't play uh, AAU basketball. So that would have been really interesting as well. But you have to be careful of what you're getting yourself into and doing your own homework. I remember after I yeah. finished playing uh, at Hope College, I went to an exposure event for players that were trying to play overseas. Mm -hmm. And it was marketed well. And they said, there's going to be multiple international scouts that are going to be there. And so I was all fired up. Great. This is my opportunity to go. But I didn't really know the, the place. I didn't know the guy that well that was putting it on. I didn't know anybody that was connected to it that I could ask for advice. And I'm just coming out of college. I'm trying to play overseas. I don't know a whole lot about it anyway. So I really went into the dark. I, I paid my money. There was one scout there. And just like you said, there were probably 50 some guys there. We had one basketball court, two hoops, right? So, you know, we barely played any basketball right. in the five or six hours that we were actually at the camp. Um, you know, cause you got, we had like 25 guys on each hoop going through a few drills, you know, showing our skills and then mm -hmm. we're playing the rest of the time. And it was a complete, complete money grab. And uh, I was like, wow, that's, you know, that, that was a rude awakening for me yeah. having not been around some of those things at, at the younger level. Right. And it's a message that, you know, now I'm able to teach other people at a young, much younger age of, you, know, you have to be able to do mm -hmm. your own homework first. You can't simply just work hard, hope for the best and just judge every book by its cover, right? Yeah. Because you may have a, a person that doesn't look um, that you don't know that well, but they may be fantastic. And they may be the person for you that says that one thing to a college coach that offers you a spot. And then there mm -hmm. may be the other coach that or the other scout who, you know, just because it shines doesn't mean it's gold. And, you know, yep. truly they're in it for maybe the, the wrong reasons. And I don't say this at all to, um, you know, hammer on any scouts. I, I have a handful of friends that are scouts and they're awesome. I love them. Yep. Right. And they're, they're fantastic, but you have to make sure that you're, you're getting to know them to, to yeah. be able to differentiate who are the people that are actually going to be able to, to help you and not. So yeah, so yeah like the, the, you, what you were saying about the camp too, I was, that made me think about it. Like if you're, and I said something earlier about you, you, when you asked um, if you're an AAU coach or small high school coach trying to like get your kid exposure, like who do you reach out to? And it's like that scout was only interested in the top one or two dudes. Like you need to do your research. Like he might be a good dude, but his focus is primarily on like the top division one players. Like some scouts only focus primarily on division one guys or like, you know, like the highest level and that's fine. Like everybody needs those. But then there's other scouts who like focus on like helping everybody or specialize in helping smaller college, like colleges. And if you, if like, let's say you reached out to me, like you were a small high school coach and you had some players but I'm only interested in high division one guys. Like I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll hit up a few guys. Like I might hit up some guys, like I'll shoot a text and that's the end of it. But like, if you hit up a scout who's known to help out like smaller colleges or smaller coaches or smaller schools, they'll go above and beyond. Like, Hey, 
I got this info. I'll give you the coach's info. I'll give you the film. I'll give you some full game footage, highlights. I'll send you their schedule, see if you can get out there and like try to make it happen. So like you got to find the right guys that are not just scouts or they're, but they're scouts for that, trying to help out that level. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, some scouts are like ESPN's only working on the top 100 players, division one right. guys and the rivals is the same, but like smaller scouting services will be more interested in helping out division three kids, division two kids, NAI, JUCO kids, and they'll talk to those coaches. So like, that's a big thing too. Like you kind of talked about it at the camp, like those international, it sounded like they were looking for like the top leagues international and just trying to get a, a top handful of guys there. And it was a money grab, but like they're only focused on a couple guys probably. And it's like, instead of trying to send you, send all the guys to the right spots internationally, I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of yeah. what it sounded like to me. And it made me think about that. Like if, if, if you're hitting up certain scouts that are only interested in division one, you're not, and you're a division two, division three kid, you're not going to help yourself very much. Yep. You've got to find the right scout that actually will help and reach out to smaller colleges and do that to help, like helps those level of guys out consistently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Just, and, you know, my experience with, with that specific situation, I mean, that scout really wasn't even looking for players at my position. You know, he has, he has certain teams that he serves and yeah. those, those specific teams have a position that they're talking to that scout, that agent about saying, we need a small forward. We need a power yep. forward. So the agent would be wasting his time. If he's spending a bunch of time looking at point guards and shooting guards, that's not what's yep. going to get him paid. Right. And so there's that whole aspect of that as well. And that really goes into certain scouts. Like if, if you're a scout and you serve a lot of division three schools and the majority of those schools at that certain time are looking for a big guy, well, you may be a, a really high level point guard, but that scout may not be able to help you as much because he's looking for a different, different yeah. position. So uh, it's just a lot of value in making sure that you're doing some of your own homework before you get in, get into that. So mm-hmm. um, coach, I'll let you get back to the, the rest of your Sunday. I want to thank you for, for taking the time to be on the coach's edge podcast. And it's my hope that everybody that's listening, if you have a player, especially some of those um, lower major to a smaller college level players that this episode can help you out. Braden has great experience from, from being a scout with prep hoops and bank hoops and, and doing some other services. You know, he, he's been in on, he's coaching high school basketball. Um, so we really hope that this was able to serve you. Uh, Braden, anything you want to add in before we close it out? Nah, I'm good, man. Appreciate you having me on. This is actually really fun. Hopefully you can get me back on one of these times. No, we definitely need to get get you back on. And I'm very curious to talk more about Sunrise Christian and everything that the team and the program has going on on there. Very interesting stuff. Is there any way, um, are you guys going to be on ESPN or anything like that where people could tune in and and watch you guys play anytime soon? Do you know? Yeah. So I don't know the whole schedule. Like I know our schedule, what our schedule is coming up, but I don't know the TV schedule except for one game. The only game I know that for sure is the game we played Montford Academy. They're number one in the country. We're number two in the country. Um, we played in DC and we lost by six. It was a two point game with 40 seconds left. So um, we get the rematch at their place because they're hosting the bubble. Um, not, oh, let, me, let me check the calendar. It's it's a Friday, at, I believe 5 p.m., but it's not this Friday, it's the Friday after. So it'd be the 5th, February 5th. February that's 5th. That's the ESPN game. Cool, so um, February 5th. 
And I imagine all the other games, if not on ESPN, they usually have a stream link. They said that the games are going to be streams. So um, if you follow the Sunrise Christian Twitter page or just the events, the event that's running it, like Montford Academy's page, they'll probably post the stream links to all the games. Sure. So cool. um, awesome. yeah, that's, that, that's the only game I know for sure, but all the games will be um, streamed or on one of the other ESPN channels. We just don't know those yet. Fantastic. Cool. Well, I wish you the best of luck uh, the rest of this basketball season. Glad you guys are able to, to play and do it safely. Stay safe and yeah. have a great rest of the year. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. We hope that you found it beneficial. If you did, please share it out with somebody. Share it on social media. Tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'd love to see who's listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. And um, one thing that I did want to mention was we've opened up the Coach's Edge membership. Um, We weren't going to do it until March, but because we serve a lot of coaches in the state of Michigan, specifically with the long delay that they've had before they can start competing again, We wanted to give those coaches another chance to become a member before they start playing games again. So now through the end of the month of January, you can go to coachesedge.coach and become a member of the Coaches Edge. And I have to say, I'm loving working with with all of our members in Michigan and other states. And as much as we try to serve you as coaches with your team and program, I'm growing just as much. So thanks again. Get after today.